Yo, what is up? You have found I Like the Blazers. I am your host, Brandon Goldner, and I am here, as always, as of lately, uh, with Ryan Whitledge of the Blazer Tag Podcast. Ryan, how's it going, man? It's going all right. We're just living that quarantine dream. Yeah, quarantine dream. Isn't that like a Lenny Kravitz song or something? <laughs> If if so, it was probably his worst one, but... <laughs> uh, I think all of his songs are his worst ones. <laughs> Whoa, uh, shots fired. Shots fired. I remember, I think it was like the late 90s when I was like temporarily into Lenny Kravitz as a high schooler, which is highly embarrassing. And uh, I'm not sure why I'm sharing that. So I should just stop talking. <laughs> um... But outside of terrible music tastes, uh, we're going to talk about some stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about Damian Lillard and LaMarcus Aldridge. It's kind of the LaMarcus Aldridge slash tampering episode of I Like the Blazers. Uh, so let's just start right away. So the Blazers, the short story is that the Blazers gave Damian Lillard the keys to the Twitter account, and he was doing some live tweeting during a game. They've been playing like classic <laughs> games because obviously there's nothing else to do. Ryan, do you remember what game they were broadcasting, actually? Because I don't remember. That was... Was that his OKC game? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. I think it was. Um, yeah, the game game five of last the, year's playoff. The wave goodbye, the bad shot. Yeah. Um, so he was on there, and obviously fans are interacting with him, because why wouldn't you do that? And here's what happened, is that someone said, I think that the question was, who is the teammate that you miss most who's no longer on the team and he responded with LaMarcus and then yeah. and then LaMarcus responded with a quote tweet with googly eyes and then as we're all kind of freaking out and again I mean what else do we have to do like that's yeah. you know I, I as we're all freaking out the Blazers then delete the tweet um so the first thing is I just wanted to ask like what do you think happened there like what like why was the tweet deleted uh, the first thing that comes to mind is is probably for tampering rules. I mean, he's still under contract, and um, I I want to say it was last season that they changed the rules or something like that um, to make it so that players could actually be fined personally for tampering. Something to do with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So I'm glad they you know got a handle on that. <laughs> well, but, it's interesting that you say that because uh, you and I actually talked a little bit about it yesterday. I did do some research. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, so, but here's the thing, though, like, here's what I don't understand. Like, so what? So the fan asks Dame a question. It's not about, like, who do you want on the team right now? It's who do you miss most? And he says LaMarcus. Like, I mean, why? I, I guess, like, it feels a little um, like they're being extra super safe. I, I mean, like, I, I thought, I, I don't know. I thought it was playful, and I thought it was probably the most interaction any of their tweets got that night just seems an interesting move to pull it if you know if it's really innocuous then who cares yeah never mind the fact that he also said that he loved playing or that he was talking half the game about how he loved playing with uh with Harkless and Amino and the things that they brought to the table and all that stuff so right and did they delete those tweets I don't think so nope right so okay yeah I I think I think the tweet was specifically like if you could bring one player back to Portland who would you bring I want to say it was very targeted like that. It was it was very specific. I so. I just I don't know, man. Like I feel like it's like let him have his fun. Um, and also, like my understanding with these things is that there's no 
staff member who's like screening these questions before they go out or screening the responses rather from Dame. My understanding is that they give keys, the keys to the Twitter account to Dame and he just tweets. So if a player does say something they don't want them to say, they have to kind of go up and clean up the mess afterward. I'm actually really interested in whether, you know, whether all players on the team would be given that same amount of latitude. I would assume so. I mean, with Dame, obviously, like I get it. Like, what are you going to have someone censoring Dame tweets? Um, Yeah, I think Ants and Amberty Simons has has done a live tweeting of a game. I think Gary Trent Jr.'s done one. Uh, CJ, I know, did one. So and they all seem to have a fair amount of free reign and latitude to say whatever they want to say. So, yeah, I just so. Let's do talk about the tampering then, because I just uh, it's a little complex. It's a little convoluted. So I want you to start and make your pitch, because the thing that we were arguing about is whether players can tamper or not. So make your best pitch for why you do think players can tamper. And then I'm going to make my best pitch for why I don't think that's the case. Although I think you end up being right. But I just I want to hear the case for like. Like why? Like these people are playing for years, right? They've been coming up through AAU and through college and their friends. Like, like mm-hmm. why should, why should players tamper? Why should that be a thing? That doesn't seem fair. Well, players should tamper and let's get this right out in the open. Players tamper all the time, whether they, it's something that they say in the media or, I mean, you get a hold of any NBA high profile NBA players phone and scroll through his text messages. I guarantee you there's all sorts of, Hey dude, I know your contract's up next year, blah, blah, blah. But the NBA is not going to, you know, tap down everybody's cell phone. So, um, but as far as I just don't necessarily think, I, I don't think that it, screws with the game i don't think it hinders the product i mean look at it right now how much drama did this dame la thing cause that was at least responsible for 14 news stories that i know of gave writers something to do and this Um, podcast yeah exactly but i don't think like the league's view of it is that you know teams i think their direct quote from the league from last year was teams should be entitled to focus their efforts on the competition this or during the season with the players that they have under contract without having to divert attention or resources uh to conduct or speculation regarding the potential destinations of of blah 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 that's all internal crap if dame shoots out a tweet and says that lamarcus you know, he'd like to have LaMarcus back and LaMarcus says, okay, that's interesting. If his relationship with San Antonio is so tenuous that that's the thing that caused him to fly, then you got bigger problems. But I I don't, let's hear the players talk about who they want to team up with. Let's hear their, the super teams they want to build. Let's it's, it's, it's drama and a big, I mean, outside of when we're physically watching a game, that's the other stuff that we consume. We want the inside sources. We want the stories. We want the behind the curtain look at things. So players tampering, it's, it's nothing to me. I mean, at the same point in time, I want to say I read an article last year, either beginning of this year or, or end of last year, but it was talking about like how um, players are like, they like to screw with people. So whenever there are things out there like Dame's tweet, they find it funny to see the overreaction when LaMarcus puts little eyeballs there. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, and that's kind of like, and, and they've said before, like, Oh, Hey, my, uh, this was just tweeted. Hey, let's, let's see what kind of reaction I can get. And it's just the eyeballs or a shoulder shrug. So 
they do it for fun, whatever. Tampering happens. It's not that big of a deal. It gives media something to write about. It gives fans something to speculate about. I don't think that because last year LeBron was talking about or saying that Anthony Davis joining the Lakers would be cool, that that suddenly caused the Pelicans to lose three more games or anything like that. So that's my stance on it. I, I agree with you that it that it, it they should not be enforcing tampering rules player to player. I don't think that that's a good use of their time. And, and to everything you just said, the intrigue of it and just the funness of it, they've been hanging out for a long time. Now, here is my understanding. So here here's what I hate to say is that you were right, that the rules, the collective bargaining agreement explicitly says that player to player tampering is a thing. So you are correct. Mm-hmm. Take your fucking victory lap, like whatever. Okay, well, <laughs> but like here's here's where I'm going to defend myself because I said that I don't think player to player tampering is a thing. When they were talking about this back in September, they did say we're going to go to the board of governors, which are the, all of the NBA owners, and we're mm-hmm. going to figure out some new penalties for the rules that are already on the books, and or we're going to reinterpret them. The, the The thing that was that they were trying to to walk the tightrope of is if they change too much, they would have to then bargain with the players' union. So they were trying to okay within the current rules, and maybe if we change the interpretation of it, right, and like maybe if we up the fines that then we can make the case that we've made some substantive change. So they were talking about that. The end result was that they didn't touch on the player to player tampering stuff any more than they're already in the rules. And so historically the league has not really enforced that. And it was because of all the reasons we've already talked about. The players have been hanging out with each other for a long time, been playing basketball for a long time. There's an article here from NBA.com from Steve Ashburner, who is not someone I'm super familiar with, but his article is on NBA.com. And it explicitly mm-hmm. says, you know, quote, the league historically has not enforced tampering rules against player to player contact. None of the measures mentioned Friday addressed that, end quote. So the other thing to think about and I want to ask your opinion on this is, and here comes the political science nerd in me coming out a lot in this section, but Adam Silver in that press conference basically said, we want to have rules that we can enforce. So they don't Mm -hmm. want to have a rule against player to player tampering. If they're not going to enforce it again, that means they'd have to go back to the union and blah, blah, blah. But I, you know, I, I tend to agree. That's a good idea. What is your take on this? Would you rather that the league be like very black and white, very explicit about what their rules are, or would you rather that they have some flexibility and some latitude? I think that those are two different schools of thought. I'm just curious your your take on that. I think the league can have both. I mean, but a big part of that comes down to that. You can tell players, you can, you can say that, Hey, if we catch, catch whiff of that, you shot a text to, this player, we're going to find you $10 million flat out, like make it some huge exorbitant fee. You can tell players that they're still going to text. They're still going to whatever they're going to, they're going to go about their business. But I think where the league has the ability to enforce it without creating new rules, without going completely draconian on anything is that if it's something that happens on Twitter, that's where they, or if it's in a press conference or something like that, there's nothing you're ever going to be able to do, no matter what rule you try to institute that will kill players talking to each other in their own free time on their, or however they choose phone call, sitting down for a barbecue, whatever. But 
no, they can institute as far reaching rules as they want when it comes to press conferences and social media and all that. And that's why like the rule hadn't, or the tampering rules hadn't changed for decades. I mean, it's what articles 35 and 35 a of the league constitution. That's where they hide all their tampering stuff. And it was just recently updated. Okay. We're Ryan in a new Whitledge, Esquire attorney at law going into the <laughs> fucking bylaws. Yeah, there we go. But we're in the new era where there's now social media. I mean, I'm, you're going to tell me that back in you know the early 90s that none of those – I mean probably none of those guys talked and teamed up or, or had the talk of it like today's guy or players do. But I mean there's probably still some backroom dealing. Yeah, you don't think Clyde Drexler and Hakeem Olajuwon had a conversation or two before Clyde went to Houston? Of course. They, I mean they went to college together. Again, that's the thing. Like um, it obviously didn't happen as much. There's a lot more player movement nowadays than there used to be. But mm-hmm. like, like, and and I I hear what you're saying. I mean, I agree. But here's another twist to this, and I'm just thinking of this now, so I'm not prepared to talk about it. But oh well, there are some players who have a lot more influence than others, right? Because I mean, you talk about clutch sports and LeBron James, what a multi-million billion question mark? Probably not quite billion, but like a multi-million dollar company that you know will do what LeBron James wants it to do. That's a Mm -hmm. lot. That's a lot different than Zach Collins talking to Gary Trent jr. And so I just like, I wonder if they try to go after player to player tampering, I would be curious as to how they would try to account for that. Because again, some players just have more power and influence than others. That's just the, that's just the reality of it. Um, And I don't know, again, like back to the thing, like, could you get a black and white rule that says, well, if you're a player that has, you know, X number of dollars in contract, I mean, sponsorships, mm-hmm. then you're not allowed to tamper. But again, if you're on a rookie deal, then you can tamper and that, <laughs> see, but, but that's the kind of shit where I think the league needs to maintain some amount of flexibility. Here comes a term prosecutorial discretion. Which is to say, oh, they, yeah. They, yeah, I mean, you think about like when I think about that, I think about jaywalking technically illegal, mm-hmm. but cops are not hopefully not going to pull you over for jaywalking. Right. They have discretion in how they prosecute that stuff on the flip side that has been used historically in lots of horrible ways. And, you know, the favoritism and all that. So I just I think that's the hardest thing about player to player tampering. Some players are more powerful than others, and that's just the way it is. I don't know how they would get past that. Yeah. And I completely agree with everything you said. I mean, but uh, by the way, shots fired at Zach Collins. What? You don't think he has the same clout as LeBron James or any of those other guys? Gosh, no, I don't think Zach Collins has the same clout (laughs) as LeBron James. No, (laughs) that would be that's that'd be quite the I hope I hope he's not a subscriber to your podcast. Otherwise, his feelings are going to be very hurt. Well, his feelings would be even more hurt to know and check out this pivot that some people based on all the googly eyes. And I mean, LaMarcus just actually, I think, gave an interview like a couple days ago that said, I want to end my career either in San Antonio or in Portland. But Zach Collins probably doesn't want to hear any of that because that's someone eating into his minutes. So what say you would you welcome back LaMarcus Aldridge in a Blazers jersey and how helpful could he really be? I mean, he's, what, 34. Um, what's your take on that? Do you want LMA back in PDX? I'll take him in a heartbeat. 
the and I guess like the uh, the caveat to this is is you know people look at his time in Portland before and it was uh, you know it, it, his ball or his where he demanded his touches and how he played stalled the offense it was get it down into that left block let him back down everybody clear out not a lot of movement um, he's not playing that way in San Antonio because the league's evolved and he's stepped up. He's got a three point shot. Now he's moving around. He's setting screens still his bread and butter. Sweet spot is that, you know, that little left elbow jumper, but his game is evolved. It's not like he hasn't, he's not an old dog that can't learn a new trick. And I do understand that. Yes, it would eat into the playing time for Zach Collins, but as the goal right now of the team to uh, make everybody smile and happy, and get along with their orange slices or to try to win a championship. And if and if Lamarcus Aldridge being a better player, an all-star player, than what we currently have in there, then okay. Then, I mean, worst case scenario, Zach Collins can be, you know, a six-man off the bench and learn a trick or two from Lamarcus. Well, I think that really depends on how big of a piece of the future you think Zach Collins is because, yeah, you might want to give him his orange slices and his gum and whatever, his power bars, whatever you're giving kids nowadays at the, at the sports complex. I'm definitely not a parent. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it might it might hurt his development. I mean, we this is not particularly recent history, but I remember a power forward named Jermaine O'Neal who was buried on Portland's bench and then the next year went to Indiana and I think was an all-star immediately or maybe the year after. So yeah, that Mm. could be a problem. Um, But to your point about LaMarcus Aldridge, I just pulled up the basketball reference page. So, you know, (laughs) hardcore analytics here, uh, picking off those box stats. I got Zach Collins salary and contract details on my screen (laughs) right now. So it's probably the most research we've ever done. I would, it definitely is. And I would love Zach Collins' salary, by the way. Uh, I'm looking at LaMarcus Aldridge and you're right about his three point shooting. There are only three seasons in his entire career that he has shot more than one three pointer per game. The first year was his last in Portland, 2015. The second time was in 2018. And the last time was last year where he shot three of them per game. And it's not a surprise to see then his effective field goal percentage is the highest that has ever been that came last year. So yeah, he's 34. He's slower. He's not the defensive, you know, not that he was ever a defensive force, but he doesn't have the same defensive chops that he used to. Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard to say that you wouldn't want someone like that on this team. I mean, yeah. So let's let's do this. I mean, again, absolutely no research. How does he get here? Here's the thing: he has one year left on his contract. I think. So yeah. if you wait an entire another year, now he's you know 35, 36. He's at the very very end of his career. Um, I would figure if you want to get him, you want to maximize Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum's prime. You want to get him as soon as possible. How could they get him? Like, what could they possibly trade? I, that's the part where I don't see how it works. Um, unless you're waiting for him in free agency with, again, that's another year older at that point. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, making $24 million. And then you look at the Blazers roster and they have so much of their cap is eaten up with Dame and CJ specifically. Um, and then a little bit more with Nurkic. I, I don't see how this happens to be completely honest. What do you, what do you think about that? Well, if you want to go straight, straight, like ESPN trade machine, Hey, look, the numbers work. So why wouldn't this work? Yes, Um, that's exactly what you want. (laughs) (laughs) 
then uh, then in that world, uh, somebody out there thinks that, or specifically San Antonio thinks Hassan Whiteside is worth twenty six million dollars a year, and it's a sign and trade. As I, I am a little, I'm a little loopy here on on some of the uh, sign and trade rules because I've seen some, you know, the Blazers Twitter land has gotten into some heated debates here recently about if you could do a sign and trade with Hassan. I've heard strong cases for yes, strong cases for no. I'm just going to assume somebody's right in that, but as far as I know, like like as far is, as like the rules allowing you to do it. Yeah, and but I mean, somebody came out and said, "No, you can't sign and trade players like that. That's not how that works." And I'm like, I swear, I've seen this happen at least a handful of times. So I don't know. That's probably the easiest way. Now, if you want to start saying like, "Hey, in order to get Lamarcus back, we'd have to trade Zach Collins and and a piece and find a way to make or get a third team involved," then then I'm out. I'm if if unless it's something simple like. You got you one player that's not going to be here long term to bring him back. Go ahead and do that. Other than that, if he wants to come back and get like a, a two year deal with the second year being a player option um, after this contract runs out and he's older, he can go off into the distance and, and you know, here in Portland and we can bring him back for a team friendly deal. At that point in time, he probably won't be starting, but his talent would still be able to possibly help the Blazers get to where they want to go. I mean, and I could also see him being somebody who plays like until he's 40, just the way that he plays lends itself to that, especially if he's going to be taking more threes and, you know, as long, I mean, he's been relatively injury free. LaMarcus has, um, when you look at how many games he's played, it's actually pretty incredible. Uh, the only season that he's played, fewer than 60 games apart from this season, which was cut short was back in 2012. And I think yeah. that that was back when he had the, the heart arrhythmia stuff. I but maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that, but at any rate, the point is he's been relatively healthy. I could see him playing until he's pretty old. Um, yeah. And then you got the nostalgia factor. I just wish, well, here's the thing. I mean, I want to get in a time machine and go back because in that same interview that LaMarcus Aldridge talked to someone, I think it was yesterday, or the day before, he basically said that the reason why he left is that there, you know, there, the communication between himself and Dame wasn't as good as it could be. And I think that he even said that he had feelings about Dame that were not because of anything Dame said, but because of the, the people around Dame and LaMarcus were telling mm -hmm. them stuff. Um, and I just think I remember reading that piece. Yep. Yeah, I just think that that's a shame, man. I mean, because Wesley Matthews, I mean, I know we're getting all nostalgic, but like, what else are we going to talk about? Wesley Matthews <laughs> would have been injured for a huge part of that year. But like running that team back, I I mean, that's something that I actually asked on Twitter from the at the the I like the Blazers Twitter account. I asked folks if LaMarcus Aldridge had been, you know, had had stayed with the team. I'm bumbling because I'm trying to find it. Um, would the Blazers have seriously challenged the Warriors as a top team in the West if LaMarcus Aldridge had stayed? And there were only 94 votes, but of those, about 100 people who voted, 70% said yes. So, Ryan, what do you think about that? 70% of 100 people think that if LaMarcus Aldridge had stayed, the Blazers would have seriously challenged the Warriors. Does that ring well, true I mean, to you? Uh, it, it does. And, it does? and I, 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 
I believe that. Um, really? I mean, yeah. I mean, Wesley Wesley Matthews was known for just having in it, having it in his crow about what Clay Thompson was doing. He had done many interviews during his time here. Like, if the Warriors were playing at the same exact time, for some reason, he just liked to battle with him. And there have been many things where he'd come up after a game, and he's like, "How'd Clay do tonight?" So, or or what Clay put up. So he yeah. wanted to know. By the way, uh, don't mean to skew your extremely scientific Twitter poll. Um, I voted yes on that, obviously. Not only from my show account Twitter, but uh, from my personal. So God damn two, people, two people, one vote. I'm just killing democracy here. So you really take the vote early, vote often thing completely <laughs> literally. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Um all right, I and and I was surprised that seventy percent of people said yes because I I think the answer is no. I don't think that Lamarcus Aldridge, Robin Lopez, Wesley Matthews, and then C.J. McCollum off the bench question mark and then and then Dame Nicola Batum. I don't I don't think that gets you past the Warriors in their prime. I don't think that there are any teams that could get past the Warriors in their prime because they're one of the greatest teams in NBA history, if not the greatest. So, I mean, Mm. it's not even like knocking the Blazers to say that, but what I will say is that I, it would have been a lot more interesting no matter what, right? Like, and yeah, I, I mean, I would trade, I would, I would prefer to have that team back than to see the development of CJ McCollum. And I know that might be blasphemous, but like, I, but I think that's probably what your trade-off is. I don't know if he would he would have gotten traded or what would have happened, but maybe he just never would have developed. But I would have preferred the band to stay together than to see CJ McCollum develop. That might be a hot take. What do you think? Uh, yeah, probably the the hindering the development of CJ McCollum is is the biggest knock there. But I don't know. I, I guess I'm just hanging my hat a, a lot more with that team on on their defense with Wesley Matthews and and Batum. And I understand, you know, Robin Lopez is, isn't a uh, you know at all 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 world NBA center, but I mean, he did his job. He did his duty. And and so uh, if Dame maintained his, you know, growth rate and came alongside that team. Uh, you know, CJ would uh, think about it this way. You have that team. And if CJ ended up being the sixth man off the bench and starts put or and started playing like he's currently is, you know, then that team starts looking rather dangerous to me. And it has a scoring, lots of scoring options and a very good defensive, very good defensive unit. So yeah. I don't know. I guess I'm I'm hanging my hat on that old adage of defense wins championships, not just you know, 932 three pointers a game. I just Although that probably helps. Like who 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 is going to be guarding Steph though? Because okay, so you have Wesley Matthews can you know reasonably defend Clay Thompson, uh, Batum. Batum. I don't. You think was- I, I? I was about to say that, but I don't know if he could keep up. I mean, I I haven't watched a lot of film of Batum guarding Curry. I'm sure it's out there. Um, did that was that actually a thing? I don't. Yeah, remember Batum, that. Batum. Okay. Even when Wesley Matthews there, Batum because of his length always ended up getting put on the. Or if there was two like top tier scores, Wesley would lock down one, and Batum would normally get the quicker one because with his length, it was easier for him to keep arms and whatnot in front of him. So. By the way, Nicola Batum, one of the sadder stories. I feel like that's like international play has just run him into the ground because I mean he. Man, I don't think he reaches potential as an NBA player. Um, his contract God certainly bl- did. 
Yeah, God bless Charlotte for thinking that they would be the ones to change him. That we yeah. spent how many years here in Portland trying to do that and it didn't work out. So, <laughs> well, I mean, I remember, and I don't have it in front of me, but like the last year he was in Portland, he was starting to become more of a playmaker and his assists were coming up. And that's when it was like, okay, like I can see what he can become, but like I, I'm, I'm going to blame international play on that. Um, all right. Yeah. I mean, if, if LaMarcus comes back, it's not going to be for a while. Um, and just like basketball is not going to be back for a while. Uh, did we already talk in the last podcast about the horse stuff? It hadn't happened yet. You were you were out on it. It's now happened. Any any opinions about that now that it's done? I think it's done. Yeah. How can nobody afford a decent Wi-Fi connection? Or if the NBA or ESPN wants to broadcast this, like I, I okay, I broke That's my what I thought last, too. last podcast. I said I wasn't going to watch a single second. I turned it on and watched Chris Paul. <laughs> That's about <laughs> as much of it as I caught. And then um, I caught the, you know, the little Twitter clips, everybody else. Um, but yeah, it's, if you're going to broadcast it, I mean, like even all these late night shows that are still doing all their stuff, Cole bear and, and Fallon and whatnot, those guys did it on their iPhones when they start putting out their home shows for like three days. And then NBC and all these places just shipped them cameras. They said, here's how you set this up. Right. So that's my thing is like, get some professional equipment. I mean, and also maybe try to match people up based off of like the courts that they're going to be playing in for like the first round, like Mike Conley, uh, he lives apparently in a high school gym. That is like, that was a yeah, fascinating was court. <laughs> and then like half the WNBA players are out there playing on cobblestone driveways where the three point top of the arc three point line is like halfway in their garage off the crooked brick. And then, yeah. It's it's I the equipment thing is a really good point. And by the way, um, people can't see this, but I'm doing the same thing right now. I I figured out how to how to rig my my camera to my webcam. I got a little light, so I'm trying my best over here. And I do feel like the video quality coming from both me and you is better than from some of those players. And that was surprising like that. Yeah, that was it was disappointing. I I feel like I, again I'm gonna stick with this. I didn't think that it was gonna be anything super compelling. I don't think that it was super compelling, but I do appreciate the effort, and oh. I want to see more effort. Like I want to see them do other stuff. Like that's I mean, what else are we gonna do? I mean the the players are are still getting paid. I mean I I think that the players union the NBA came to an agreement today, if I'm not mistaken, that they're gonna be playing paying the players. 25% less, but is that yep. like indefinitely? I mean, they're not playing games and they're not generating revenue. I mean, that's a pretty sweet deal to get, you know, 80, 75% of your salary, even though there's nothing happening. Yeah. Uh, it was their pay, their next, their next scheduled paycheck, which I want to say is like the first of May or something like that is going to be a hundred percent. And then, uh, the one, uh, I think May 15th, May 16th is there is the one that's due after that. And that's when they're going to, it's not that they're cutting their salaries. My understanding is that they're withholding the salaries in case they have to then repay them. Like if playoffs happen or the league comes back or anything like that, but yeah, that, that, that'd be pretty awesome to get some of those NBA salaries, uh, for just sitting on your butt. Uh, by yeah. the way, I didn't realize the horse challenge is now finished. So it, okay, it it's completed. It, it completed yesterday. Yes. Mike Conley is the champion. Good for Mike Conley. It makes sense. He's ambidextrous. Um, there was actually an interesting co comment about Mike Conley. I think it was on the no dunks podcast, formerly the starters where they had, I think that they had said that Conley had said that Mike Conley wishes that he hadn't 
focus so much on being left-hand dominant because that is his dominant hand when he plays basketball. He wishes he were more right-hand dominant in basketball, but it's just funny because he's like one of the most ambidextrous players that, that is in the league right now. And it doesn't surprise me that he won horse because of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, the, the, the salary stuff is funny. I mean, and this is probably too much to get into right now, but again, like to think about how the salary cap will be affected and like players who thought they had space are now not going to have space and how that affects free agents. This is going to be very, very interesting to see. Um, is there anything basketball related? It doesn't have to be NBA related, but is there anything basketball related that you're looking forward to or that's keeping you interested during these times where there is a notable lack of basketball? Well, uh, let me just say, because we're recording it on the day that it happened, uh, hat, uh, golf clap to uh, Sabrina Ionescu. Drafted first by the uh, by the Liberty in New York. Um, depressing part of that is I was like, "Ooh, New York, that's kind of spendy." Uh, and then you look up what the rookie scale contracts are for WNBA players, and um, yeah, that's a good thing. She also got that Nike contract with it. But yeah, uh, lady, it, I don't want to be sexist. Is it still sexist to say Lady Ducks? Is that is that still frowned upon? I honestly don't know, but that was the term that was being used by the school at some point, right? Yeah. I don't. Yep. I don't actually well, uh, know. Well, I, went, uh, I, went yeah. to, I went to Oregon State. I'm even wearing orange, so I'm not a big Ducks fan, so I don't care. Well, uh, yeah, first two first two picks off the board were uh, were from your uh, rival over there in Eugene. So Pretty Ducks impressive. went one and two. So congratulations to uh, to them. That happened. Um, other than that, there's. Not a whole lot of basketball stuff. I mean, I the things I that I find interesting or that I try to keep reading up on are like just the memos that the league puts out about like when it thinks it's going to bring the season back or whatnot. Because I'm curious how all these now off season dates, like how that changes things. Like yeah. the one contract and the one player that I'm really keeping my eye on, as far as the Blazers are concerned, is uh, Ariza. Because it was like what by you know July first or whatever I forget when his when his date was, but he has that option to get picked up. So you know how is that going to affect everything? Because other than that, not a whole lot. I I even haven't necessarily been getting too much into these old classic games that they're showing. I'll catch them every now and then. Tune in for the tail end. It's fun to see the celebrations. Like I just watched the one. What was it? The last one that they showed was was that the '92 Western Conference Finals? Yeah, against was. the Jazz. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I was gonna watch that game in its entirety, but dear lord, that first quarter sucked. That was atrocious. So there, I, I kind of. Is there a way for people like me who don't have cable to watch those games? I don't know what they're doing. Know of? Yeah, I don't. I don't know what they're doing for streaming. There were there were people that were complaining that like they had like the NBC Sports Northwest like the the Blazers ticket pack or whatnot and or whatever their their thing for games was and they weren't replaying them on there. I thought that was funny because it's an NBC Sports Northwest thing that they're doing, but yeah, I just I stream it through my through my YouTube TV account, so that's how I'm watching it. All right, Mister Fancy. Yeah, I mean for me, it honestly is is this is the time of year it's getting nicer out where like when I watch basketball, it makes me want to play basketball and I mm -hmm. can't play basketball. There's like nowhere there's, there's this little um, run at Lewis and Clark college that I would go to every week. That's obviously not happening. Um, I can't think of any outdoor courts that are near me. So that's a huge bummer. So if you're listening 
and you live in southwest Portland, kind of near downtown-ish, near the Under Armour track in OHSU, and you know of, like, a secret basketball court that I can sneak onto and play basketball, let me know. Um, that's the biggest thing for me is, like, I just can't play, and that sucks. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what's uh, what's been keeping you entertained during quarantine? Uh, lot, lots of Netflix and chill, or are you just uh, hardcore into the I'm going to come out of this with an eight-pack? I'm hoping for actually a 10 pack was the, was the goal there. Yeah. Honestly, like running has been huge and I not, I'm not historically a runner. I, again, like I'm more of a basketball player, but last couple of years I've gotten into running. So that's been helpful. And, uh, I've been playing some video games. So I don't know how many, uh, video game fans we have on the pod, but when I was a kid, I was a huge final fantasy guy, huge, heavy into final fantasy. And so they're releasing, or maybe it's already been released, a, 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 not just a remaster, but like a, um, like a, they have redone Final Fantasy VII that originally came out on PlayStation. Mm -hmm. And now it's available on, uh, you know, different consoles. I have both a PS4 and a Switch. Um, and that seems very interesting to me. And in the meantime, I've been playing Final Fantasy VIII on my Switch. Um, so some video games, some work, some running petting the cats you know how i be <laughs> and then and then yeah trying to keep podcasting it's tough though i mean it's tough when there's there's not so much to talk about but when you have such a great co-host like you it makes it a lot easier so a uh, controversial statement here um i was big into games i'm still a gamer i'm been playing a lot of call of duty Warzone lately trying to you know not get beat constantly but growing up and still to this day i have never played a single second of zelda or Final Fantasy, ever. Why I have never touched either of those once. You horrible human being. And it's funny. And I, and I had every console growing up, so it's not like I didn't have the opportunity. So which consoles do you have now? What do you have now at your house? Right, right now, uh, I have a PS4 and a Switch. Okay, so you could play Breath of the Wild. Here's, here's what I'm going to say. So... Zelda Breath of the Wild on the Switch is a stunningly immersive, interesting, fun game. It's pretty easy to to pick up and put down, too. You're not really, like, it, you never feel like, oh, I have to, like, wait until I get to a point and I have to put it down after that. Like, you can hmm. kind of get in and out of it pretty quick. So I highly recommend i know that it's it's you know it's still kind of at the premium price point or whatever but like there i cannot say enough good things about that game it is pretty spectacular i know it had high expectations and when i first played i'm like there's no way it's gonna be as good as everyone's saying it's so great and like it, it seriously is it's really fucking good nice maybe i'll maybe, actually i wonder the switch is my is my son so he may uh, he's got a whole stash of games i'm not entirely sure he may have that somewhere maybe got really? it from his mom Alterated, alterated stuff. Well, here's but the, as a parent, the other one oh is uh, sorry. Wait, wait, wait. No, have, let me I, get this, I, let me get this joke in really quick, which is to say, as a parent, right. what you should do is your son is like acting totally normal, like totally chill, and just for no reason, be like, "You're grounded, and I'm taking away your switch. Steal the switch, play Breath of the Wild, and go back to him." Okay, that's it. That's what I. That's that's that may or may not be close to what I do when I sit them down and make them do their uh, online schooling and learning and whatnot. But there we go. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the other thing is uh, a while ago uh, I was trying to introduce the kid or my kids to the old games that we grew up on. So I still have uh, my original Super NES and oh, about nice. 
50 games. And so we've busted out some classic Donkey Kong, the original Mario Kart, and uh, some Paperboy and and uh, a couple things on there. You can't go wrong with those. And I have appreciated, I've already burned through most of the library of the games I want to play, but the Switch has, you know, the the regular Nintendo and Super Nintendo emulator in it. And it doesn't have mm-hmm. every game ever. Um, but like it has Super Nintendo has like Metroid on it and it has Zelda Link from the past. And so, yeah, that's, that's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Video. I wonder how, I wonder how video game companies are doing during this time. I would imagine, I mean, as much of the economy is, you know, struggling and shut down and people are losing their jobs and it's really shitty. I would imagine that video game companies are probably doing pretty well. Um, yeah, maybe I should buy some stock in some video game companies. Yeah, they're, uh, they're having their, uh, highest, uh, uh, highest, uh, investment or highest stock numbers since, uh, last February, not this past one, but the, uh, really? the previous one, but yeah, no, I remember, uh, it was shortly, uh, uh, GameStop was trying to get itself considered to be considered an essential business so oh, it could God. stay open. It yeah. fought that for as long as it could because it was oh. just things flying off the shelves. I there was a um there was a leaked audio from a GameStop like supervisor's call and it is as slimy as it gets. I mean, there were store managers saying, "Hey, what if we have staff who are concerned about coming in? Can you give them any encouragement or support or, you know, what can you tell these staff and the response is, well, you're, you know, you're the supervisor, right? You know, we've sent a message like that's, that's going to come from you. And like, people are like, can we reject people trading in really dirty equipment? They're like, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, if it doesn't work and they're like, no, no, not if it doesn't work, if it's like really disgusting. Because <laughs> and anyway, just to say like, it, it made me not like GameStop even more than I already didn't like GameStop. Yeah. Let's see. But let's see. What do we got? We'll, we'll wrap this up. Uh, I see. think that's pretty much Later, it. All that- only other thing I got that's keeping me busy is uh, I I dove into Ozark, so I'm almost done with uh almost done with that now. Okay, uh, did you Tiger King? Was that on your on your list? Oh God, I killed that. I think the wife and I finished that in a day and a half. All right, don't spoil it. I haven't seen it yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I gotta watch it. Everyone, again, everyone's watching it. You got to do it. Um, yeah, yeah, it is it is a glorious train wreck. It's yeah. I can't say enough good, bad things about it. Oh, you know what we didn't talk about? Let's maybe, maybe for a future one, the, the Michael Jordan documentary. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be two dope. parts coming out this Sunday. Yep. Ooh, yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be great. Um, oh, I will plug actually uh, the Open Floor podcast, SI's um, uh, joint podcast with with uh, the Washington Post, Ben Golliver and um, Michael Pina. They Ben actually got an advanced copy of the first eight episodes, I think. And so the latest open floor, he doesn't really spoil anything, but he does a really good job of contextualizing and scene setting for what to expect. And he was like, oh, yeah, this is the real deal. Um, It got me even more excited for it. Uh, Nice. Yeah. Eight. eight, The first eight episodes. Wow. That lucky bastard, because I know they're releasing one and two on Sunday. Yeah. And then I think they're only going to release 
individual episodes every week. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't know if they sent them all to him already because I think some of them are still in various stages of production. I think that was part of what he was saying is that they're by the time they get near the end because they they bumped up the timeline right like they and I mean they talked yeah. to like over a hundred people. They talked to like people like Bill Clinton and Barack Obama. They obviously talked to Phil Jackson, Steve Kern, Scotty Pippen, Dennis Robin, like all the. I mean, it's just like man, I'm super super into that. Um, all right. Especially seeing as that Jordan had said that this is this is not going to make me look like a good person. <laughs> no, not at all. No, there was a, I'll spoil one piece of it. There was a, a part where during one of the Bulls practices, um, Jordan is ripping into Jerry Krause, the Bulls owner, talking about his weight and his age. I mean, just like nasty stuff. So, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't I, I think that that's probably true. Um all right, man. Well, I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. I, we spent enough time bullshitting, but it was a lot of fun. If people wanted to connect with you and your work and your podcast, how the fuck would people do that? You can uh, find the, the podcast. Uh, you can find all of our stuff. Uh, I think we're on all the major ones. Uh, Apple, uh, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, all, all those. Uh, just search for the Blazer Tag Podcast on Twitter at Blazer Tag PDX. And then uh, me personally at uh, The Witty Ryan. So awesome. just a lot of cat memes right now. Yeah, I mean, we're all trying to get by. We're doing our best. Yeah, cat memes are one way to make the day go by. Um, all right, cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Take care. All right, you too. Thank you, as always, to Ryan Willage of the Blazer Tag Podcast for taking the time. It's always a lot of fun to chat with him, too. And uh, always a lot of fun to connect with you all. If you want to connect with us, you can do that at I Like the Blazers across social media, I Like the Blazers at gmail.com, or simply I Like the Blazers.com. And I did want to say that I am trying to get some video capability going. I don't know how that's going to be used, whether I'm going to be able to stream the Skype calls or just do little quick hit videos from here. Uh, but I was able to get a like a little light thing and was able to figure out how to connect my camera to my computer in a way where it's actually picking off the feed in real time. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. It's fun. I'm not very good at it, but if you'd like to see anything specifically talking head video style, let me know and just look for that. I'd appreciate it. All of your support means a ton and yeah, thank you all. Hope that you're all staying safe and until next time, this is Brandon go Blazers.